Happy Monday morning to you. We are live here at Mission Live, and Mission Live is the show where we talk about everything related to homelessness, both in the news, in our local area, uh, things that we think would be important to you. And hopefully uh, you enjoy the time that we spend together and and get an insight into the kinds of things, the kind of conversations that go on in our world here at the Gospel Rescue Mission um, all day long. Hey, so today's show, we've got a few things going on today. We have got... uh, uh, some things going on in the news we'll be talking about here in just a minute. We have our uh, couple of ministry spotlight stuff. We're going to be talking to Kevin Dar, Mr. Kevin Dar, the one, the only, the amazing Mr. Kevin Dar from U-Turn for Christ and Calvary Chapel here in Grants Pass, Oregon. Um, and we'll just be talking about what's going on at U-Turn for Christ and uh, just some good things there. Let him share what he's got going on. Another great ministry to uh, people who are coming out of addictions. Um, it's going to be a good conversation. Um, in addition to that, we've got our book review. We've got our threatening rule of the week. Threatening rule of the week. We've got our terrifying rule of the week. You know, because the mission is one of those places with all those really, really bad rules. Uh, so what we'll do is just expose them all, and then you decide. Is it bad? Is it not so bad? We'll talk about it. Um, our, and then we'll finish up with just kind of what does the Bible say about homelessness like we always do. Anyways... It's going to be another great day, another great show. That all being said, let's talk about Talk of the Town, what's going on in the news. So today, our first news article comes from KOMO out of Seattle, um, and it is uh, the, the headline is uh, looking for help. To, police are looking for help to solve a downtown Seattle homeless camp murder. Um, and so this is right out of right out of Seattle this last week. Police are asking for your help to solve a murder. Uh, Arkan J. Al-Abundi was shot and killed on March 17th at a homeless encampment in Seattle. Police say they were called to the camp around uh, 2.15 p.m. in the 1000 block of South Dearborn Street They where they found uh, al Al Abundi shot in the back, um, and uh, basically the, the the talking point off of this is really uh, that we are you know we, we when we say that homeless camps are not safe and you know we'll get kickback sometimes from people that will say that it's safe but it's really not. And um, and so, you know, we want to let you know this is not what happens in community when community is done well. Um, this is this is the result of of gathering bad people and broken people and uh, and and concentrating them into these into these locations where they just all become victims for one another and uh, a lot of victimization goes on there's a lot of drug deals that go on in places like this there's a lot of human trafficking that goes on in places like this um, and unfortunately one of the problems is that your neighborhood and mine uh, become unsafe because of their presence. And so, uh, you know, uh, and this is just another example. So I wanted to get that out there. Now, I'm going to do something that's really bizarre here is I'm going to go up and tap the, the, the computer screen right in front of me, actually, the camera right in front of me because my, my teleprompter is getting stuck. And uh, so this is going to look a little strange. Here I come. Watch this. Here I come. Boom. It is like... Live. Oh boy, but my thing is no longer connected. Yeah. You know, the, these are the struggles of a live show when you're not sure how to make it work when it's not going right. Um, anyways, but we fix it right here, live, on Mission Live. That's why it's called Mission Live. We do this stuff right in front of everybody. You can see it going on. Um, so, you know, basically society is doing the, home, doing the homeless a, a disservice by allowing them to remain in their condition regardless of whether they choose it or not. You've got to stop this. Homeless camps are not safe places. Teleprompter is, still, is, is working now, so we're in good shape. And we can go on to the next news article. Um, 
And what I thought I'd do is share some really good news, and it was kind of surprising. In fact, I almost I was almost a little skeptical of it because um, it came out on April 1st. And so obviously I'm thinking, are you kidding? Is this a real news article from Journal News? Uh, and and Mr. Uh, Mr. McCrabb, uh, who, who gave this great article that is, Woman Led from Homelessness, to homeownership credits God. Uh, she went from living in Middleton, uh, in, in a Middletown homeless shelter, to buying a house and becoming a landlord. So, um, so I'm going to read parts of this article to you. It's by Rick McCrab. Uh, this came out on on uh, the first of April. Um, and by golly, it's a real story. And how do I know it's a real story? Well, not only did we do our research, but also because we see this kind of stuff happening at the Gospel Rescue Mission all the time. So check this out. Adrienne Carruth, Carruth uh, can't pinpoint the reason she lost her Section 8 subsidy she used to rent a Fairfield apartment. Maybe it was her missed appointments or her missed inspections. Whatever the reason, she owed $3,000 in back rent and with no way to pay. Carruth, 41, and her two children were evicted. On uh, in 2017, with poor credit, Caruth's application were applications were rejected by numerous apartment managers. So Caruth, the Caruth family, bounced from hotel to hotel. She was homeless, a working mother, probably not the traditional picture of the homeless population we paint in our minds, but still no secure place to live. Now I'm going to parentheses here for a second. Actually. She makes up probably a third of the women that we see in our women's shelter. The description of what just happened there, she's about probably about, about uh, 30, 35% of the kind of ladies that we see uh, at the Gospel Rescue Mission every year. Anyways, uh, let's go back. Uh, unlike others who become comfortable in that lifestyle or those who can't shed the demons of their addictions— Adrienne Carruth was different. She says, I knew I didn't want to be homeless. Originally from Cincinnati, I never wanted to be in that situation again. Carruth, who was uh, worked in the nutrition department of the Bessettia North Hospital for six years, was told by her mother and sister that there was a homeless shelter called the Middletown, uh, town called Hope House. By the way, happens to be the same name of our men's transitional home. Anyways, that uh, that that accepted women and children. Boy, I am butchering this this morning, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. So the Caruths packed up their meager belongings and checked out of the hotel and moved to Middleton. Throughout her two months at Hope House, Caruth said she never missed a day at work. A lot of time for reflection is how she described sharing one room with her two children. When her car broke down, Caruth purchased a vehicle from Midwestern Auto Sales on Verity Parkway. That's where she met owner Dwayne Rossing, who also owns housing stock in the city. He told her he had a duplex on Girard Avenue for rent. By the way, Good job. Good job, Dwayne Rossing. Good job on, on you, man. And, uh, and this kind of pe- these are the kind of people that actually make the work that we do here really, really special. She moved her family out there uh, three years ago, built up her credit, and continued to work at Bassetia North. Then one day, Rossing dropping this bomb, he was selling the duplex and wanted to know if Caruth was interested. Okay, so what he did was he basically, he could have sold it to anybody. He talked to her, and he asked if she was interested in buying the duplex. So not only, I mean, what a great purchase. She was able to get the duplex, and she was able to have something that was subsidizing the the payment that she was making on this great place. So anyways, it's a long article. It's really good. I'm going to skip a whole bunch here and then just cut, cut to the chase here. It says, later on in the article, she has leaned heavily on her faith. She likes to quote scripture. You have to have hope, she said. Learning is the best teacher. You have to go through things to get where you are. 
I went through a bad trial to get where I am today. I give all the credit to God. This is his destiny for me. As Caruth sat on the couch in her living room, she looked around and acted like she was living in some fantasy world. The lady who was once homeless is now a landlord. This is crazy. And what a blessing in one swoop, she said. And again... Good job on uh, on News Journal for this article on Rick McNab, uh, McCrab, excuse me, uh, for the writing on this. This woman's story is more common than the author realizes. Uh, good on the landlord who worked with her and and uh, in her favor. You know how many times in a news article do you hear? about a greedy landlord. You know, you talk about these greedy landlords who kick people out on the streets. And these are the kinds of stories that happen all the time, right here in Grants Pass and probably wherever you are in your neighborhood uh, watching this stuff, where there are, are good, honest, decent landlords who want to do good and want to make a difference. They're not just there uh, to you know, suck from the poor like they're like they're framed all the time, um, and landlords like this make you know make the world go round for a lot of people who are really struggling. So um, and and right now at this very moment, we have several ladies in our mission who are looking to purchase homes. Um, so you know, one of the things that we work on is a real transformation going from going from abject poverty and and being homeless to a full restoration where now they've got an income stream, they've got their debt paid, they're managing the whole thing, and they're moving to a place where they're in charge of their life. You know, obviously if they can get into a rental, great. If they can't get into a if they can't get into a rental, maybe buying's an option. And if you're gonna buy uh, boy, oh boy, um, you're really turning things around. So, uh, and, and then once you've bought the place, now nobody can kick you out arbitrarily because guess what? You're in control of your life. This is the kind of stuff that goes on in gospel rescue missions. This is the kind of stuff that happens um, even at places like U-Turn for Christ. So these are the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about today. I hope you stick around. We're going to have some fun with Mr. Kevin Dark coming up right after these messages. When you give to the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission, you join us in our mission to proclaim Jesus Christ to the needy of Josephine County by assisting with clothing, spiritual counseling, education, food, and shelter. We have been committed to help people go from dependence to independence since 1983. Today, many of our residents are doing just that. Um, my name is Talia, and I came to the mission because I went through a domestic violence marriage. I came in here as a non-believer. I was baptized while going here. I became sober. If there was anything that I could take away from a bad experience or a good experience, is I get to take away a relationship with God, and I did not come in with that. When you invest in our residents, you change lives. Partner with us through giving at grantspassmission.org. My name is Chet, a current resident here. I'd like to thank you for supporting the Gospel Rescue Mission. My name is Kevin Dar. I'm the senior pastor with U-Turn for Christ. The primary goal of our ministry is to free people from the bondage of addiction to drugs or alcohol. The way our program works is uh, it's a highly structured environment, just meaning someone who's trying to break free from the bondage of a drug or alcohol addiction. The last thing they need is too much free time on their hands, so we keep them engaged mentally, physically, spiritually with different pursuits throughout the week, such as community service, where we've done everything from uh, build ramps so elderly can stay in their homes, to volunteer at church and, and community events. Uh, part of the reason we do that is, is addiction becomes such a selfish pursuit that uh, we teach them the blessings of esteeming others above themselves and ser serving something larger than themselves. Uh, Christ is at the center of everything that we try to do in the ministry because we truly believe that if uh, somebody wants long-lasting change in their life, it's only through a deeper, more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
we are here with the one, the only Mr. Kevin Dar from U-Turn for Christ. Uh, Kevin, thanks again for joining us as always. No, it's always a blast. I enjoy doing this. So. Good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. So you, I mean, somebody's going to go, why in the world is Brian talking to Kevin Dar? Who's Kevin Dar, um, and what is U-Turn for Christ? Well, U-Turn for Christ is similar in a sense of the gospel rescue mission. You know, we deal with a lot of the same demographic, obviously. And so the thing about it is, um, in the regular business world, we almost would be in competition with each other, I guess, Mm -hmm. because we do the same kind of thing. But in God's kingdom, it's all His anyways. And, um, you know, we're just brothers called to kind of do the same thing. We do it slightly differently, of course. But um, U-Turn for Christ is a drug and alcohol ministry that ministers to those who are in bondage to their addiction of whatever the sin is. And so, um, you know, we just simply provide them a place to be able to uh, go for a period of time and be set apart. You know, in the book of James, it says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And really, that's what we do is we provide them a safe environment to be able to draw near to God. So You're telling me you actually believe the words of God? In, in, in the book of James, I mean, how crazy is that? Huh? Well, a couple of things. If I didn't, I probably shouldn't have pastor in front of my name. And secondly, the ministry wouldn't be called U-Turn for Christ. Yeah, right, right. So. Well, that's it. You guys, you guys see um, about how many people a year do you think? We see somewhere probably between four to five hundred every yeah. year, and, yeah. and both men and women. Both men and women okay. now. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And you're not just located here locally. I mean, there's U-Turn for Christ all across the country, right? There is. We have them all throughout the United States. We have them in the Philippines, Colombia, Thailand, uh, Africa. So, yeah, we have them quite a few places throughout the world. Right, right. So I guess, you know, I just say that to kind of establish, you know, that, that you know, much like Gospel Rescue Missions, every now and then somebody will pop in uh, on, you know, our Facebook page or, or YouTube channel and might go, might go, well, what do you know? You know, what do you know about homeless? You clearly don't know anything about homeless. I'm like, Hold on, you know. I, I mean, I've I've only been in this for more than a decade, um, you know. So not not just a minute, and I've seen literally thousands of homeless people, and seen hundreds of them leave homelessness and everything. And you kind of have a similar story. Exactly. You know, it's uh, I don't worry about the ones that, as you were saying, you've seen thousands, but there was hundreds that you've seen leave homelessness. Yeah. So I don't get involved with the percentages. I don't get involved because really, if you think about it, if one life's changed, uh, it's all worth it. You know, right. God places that kind of value on a, on a soul. So for me, it's one of those things. I don't really worry about those who who doesn't grab a hold of what we do. I focus on the ones that do, the ones who really want to change. You know, right. those are the ones you spend the the time with. Of course, you you want to see everybody be successful. That's our heart, but. Yeah. It's just not always the case, or, or they're not ready, and they come back later, and, and you're able to minister to them. So. Yeah. Do you find that, that people who maybe leave your program but then decide to come back later, that they tend to be a little more successful? Absolutely. And part of it is they count the cost. They already know what they're signing up for, especially right. the second time. So, you know, I, I think mentally, emotionally, whatever, they're they're ready to do it by the time they come back a second time because they know exactly what they're... Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'd say about a third of those that leave our program will circle back around to it. The, the ones that leave in a, you know, in a kind of what we would call an incomplete way, you know, right. whatever, they'll circle back around to it and, and they're far more successful, you know, the, the next time through. And it may not be that they win the next time through but they but they uh they're they're more apt to do so and and uh and sometimes it's even a third or fourth time that they make it through you know but they finally get it and and what's cool about when they come back around is you know just their coming here afterwards is saying something about their experience with us it's saying you know what it's safe you know, it, it may not be, you know, it may not be where I want to be in my life, but it's um, uh, with all the alternatives out there, it's the best alternative. 
Well, and it's kind of a good attitude to have. This shouldn't be the end result. They shouldn't right. want this to be. This should be a stepping stone for you know something greater in their lives. Of for course, sure. this this isn't a permanent solution, you know, and um, which is a good attitude to have, really, because it's a tool for them to be able to conquer homelessness or addiction or whatever the case may be. We just provide them the counsel. Uh, a safe place to stay to be able to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, it's funny because um, I just got done talking with uh, a group of uh, leaders from other gospel rescue missions around the state. And, um, and one of the things that we're very sensitive to is kind of like, what are people saying about us? What are, what are people saying about us? And, you know, the funny thing is, is... Um, if you were to ask me, if, if, if you and I were to walk down the streets 10, 12 years ago and say, hey, uh, to a homeless person, why aren't you in the homeless? Why don't you go to the gospel rescue mission? They would have said, oh, because they have rules. And, and, um, and maybe they would have picked out one or two that, that bothered them in particular. But, right. uh, oh, because they have rules. And, and out here I'm free, you know, and, and everything. Um, and... It, the thing is, is today they'd say the exact same thing by and large. Uh, right. You know, in fact, uh, I was down last week at a warming shelter uh, here in town, talking with. Uh, in fact, I'll be there this evening, uh, talking with uh, some of the folks that are there, talking to them about the possibility of them coming to the gospel rescue right. mission. And and undoubtedly, they will say many of the same things. They'll say, "Well, you know, uh, you guys got rules and structure, and 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 uh, and some of them, something about one or two of the rules seems egregious to them, and they'll they'll talk about." It. What would they say about U Turn for Christ? What what are the what are the kinds of things that a homeless person would say? This is why I don't go to U Turn for Christ. It's easy. It's the structure. It's the discipline. It's all those things you're talking about. And the thing we're famous for is digging holes, five by five holes. And you know, part of it is too when I when we talk about the holes that the guys dig on occasion. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of funny because there's really. They just see the hole. They don't see the object lesson behind the hole. And what I mean by that is if you are not willing to do um, whatever it is for, uh, to escape uh, homelessness, to escape addiction, digging a five-by-five five hole should be nothing. If you're truly—and what I mean by it is most of them would agree that in their addiction, if I were to bury a sack of dope five feet down, yep. they would— they would dig it with their fingernails to get down to the dope. But, you know, if they want to chase their sobriety as hard as they chase their addiction or their sin, whatever it was, then that five-by-five hole is nothing. Right. And then on a practical sense, you know, the reason why we do it is simply this. A a lot of the the people who come into our program, and I'm sure yours too, is they are so wired for sound in the sense their brain never starts turning, they're making plans, doing all this stuff, and we need to physically kind of tire them out so that they can receive things, you know, receive the council. And so it's that's the main reason why we do it, but it is it's an object lesson, but they take it as this, you know, this horrible dictatorship type of thing. Dig this hole, but there's really, you know, a lot of principles behind it to show them and those that do accomplish it and those who do dig it and those who you know, finally submit, they understand it and it was like, wow, you know, we have people who come back just for that experience, they're doing great, they're working, they're doing all that. It's like, man, you know, I'm just starting to slip a bit. I'm going to come out to the ranch and dig a hole, can I? It's like, go for it. You know, you know that's, that is really cool, man. How, how neat would it be if, if, you know, for all the non-homeless Christians that you and I know, which is most of them right. that we know, you know, how neat would it be if all of them took their own sin as serious as what you just described. If if they go, yeah, yeah, I, you know what, I know I've got an anger problem, um, but, you know, I mean, hey, it, you know, they had it coming or what, whatever, and or, or, you know, well, I'm not perfect, and, and they just give some kind of a blow-off statement, how neat would it be? I'm just thinking for my own self personally, if I took it that seriously, if I was like, man, you know what, there's sin in my life, and and I am so serious about getting rid of it that I'm willing to dig a hole five feet deep 
five feet wide, and and to to bury that sin once and for all. And I and I'd look at the blisters on my hands and say, that's how bad. If 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 Jesus looked and said, Kevin, Brian, I've got a big pile of righteousness. I got a big old sack of righteousness five feet deep down. All you got to do is dig down to get to it. Wouldn't that be a you know? I mean, how fast could you get there? Right, you and know? and that's kind I'll meet of, you at the bottom of the hole. That's the object lesson that we teach them too. Is like you know, bury your sin at the bottom of that hole, or that sin's going to bury you. Um, and it's true because the wages of sin are death, and you know both physically and spiritually. And so there's a lot of lessons there. But like I said, you know, it's that's not always the focus that they think about or that they right. see it, and it's. But we also know that with addiction comes manipulation. They become master manipulators at whatever it is to you know to get whatever it is they want. And you know we have people, for instance, that'll come to the church looking for help out of their homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're really asking for is cash. Right. And so I'll send them. You know, I'll say, well, you know, there is a great program in town, the Gospel Rescue Mission. Man, they do wonderful work. Oh, I ain't going there. They're, they're a bunch of evil, blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, I always stop them and say, well, you're talking to the wrong person, first of all, Yeah. you know, just because of our relationship. But it's, it's the same kind of thing. We know that that's going to happen. And in ministry, you just kind of develop a thick skin and, and realize that, you know, it's nothing necessarily about us. It's more about that particular person. And, and like you were saying, they don't want to um, follow rules. You know, we live in such a narcissistic society that, uh, you know, there's a certain segment of our population that once feels like everything should be given to them for free without work, without whatever. And if they, you know, want to be homeless, then we should just take care of them instead right. of, um, you know, but I love people too much to allow them to stay in, you know, uh, that condition. If they want help, we'll help them. Kind of like that uh, news article was talking about the guy who helped the lady with home ownership. Yeah, we'll help you, but you got to take those steps. You know, yep. you got to do the due diligence. How hard is it to follow a few rules? You know, I know one of the big rules for both of us is you can't smoke. Right. Well, if you think about it. If you're homeless and you can't afford the home, what business do you have paying $7 or whatever a pack of cigarettes is? Right. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, you know, set your priorities straight and we'll move mountains if we have to to help you. But yeah. you first and foremost got to make the choice to, you know, put yourself in a position to be helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a guy uh, that works out in my garden right now um, who is a resident. And he was just doing, I mean, it's, you know, gardening, anybody who does gardening knows it's really hard work. Um, And, I mean, it always sounds great, you know, uh, for everybody to suggest, hey, just garden until you have to pull weeds all day and, you know, know, clean up the soil and all that kind of stuff. And you realize, whew, gardening is like, it's work. It's it's actual real work. Um, And I had saw him out there last week, and and we'd had a warm day, you know, I don't know, maybe 72, 73, you know, nice sunshine out there. And I I said, hey, you know, good job. Thank you for all the hard work. And and he said, it's what I was created for, you know. He said, this is the way we were, this is what we were made for, you know, And, and which then furthered our engagement together. But the fact that he understood that, was obvious both in his work and in his response. You know, I mean, there's this notion that that we just don't want to work and that, that work is something that's a result of sin or something like that. And and uh, but what we what we see over again in the scriptures, over and over again in the scriptures, is that uh, we were we were created for this thing. We were created for work. It wasn't a result of the fall. And um, and that the earth and everything in it responds to our work in a positive way. It's part of what flourishing is, you know. Exactly. Well, and, and you know, in the day and age that we live in, too, um, you know, we see people with signs, you know, asking for money. And if you look around, the last guy that I saw, you know, he was holding up a sign, needed money. But 
I could look and see four businesses begging people to come work right. at $15 an hour, which isn't a bad wage, you know. And, Shoot. That's, that's, that's five times my first hourly <laughs> wage, you know, right. uh, when, I, when, I, when I first started working. Um, I mean, that's amazing. And not only that, you know, I watch these guys sometimes. It's a, it's a real work to get out there and, and beg for money. I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you know, protect your little square block or whatever, your corner. You got to, you know, make sure you get in front of all the cars. You got to have all the right props and, you know, make yourself look really terrible, um, you know, and, and forlorn in your face and everything. And, 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 and then, you know, running out to the cars and, and, and all. And sometimes they're doing it in the freezing cold or in the sweltering heat. Right. And I'm thinking, man, if you just use half of that charm, clean yourself up a little bit, use half that charm, and go get those businesses who could make more money as well if they had somebody as charming as you, you know, to go in and and make that 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, and you know the the thing about it is is it doesn't have to be you know, the end. So you take a job at McDonald's for $15 an hour. There's always this thing in, in career building called the ABCs of work. You know, you get a job, then you look for a better job because it's easier to find a better job once you have a job. Yep. And then you turn that better job into a career, you know, that's life, you know, you're able to sustain um, financially throughout your life. And so it's a process, but, you know, like I said, in the day and age that we live in, not everybody wants to because there's rules at work too. There's accountability, and, and right. you know we we've kind of raised a a generation because of of uh, we rely on the government so much that they're going to take care of it. You know right. they're going to take care of this instead of us being self sufficient or working for what we have. It's like why do I need to do that? I'll get a stimulus check, or why do I need to do that? I'll I'll go get food stamps or yeah. whatever, and I can live this lifestyle. And it goes on beyond that in our society, you know, um, to make ourselves feel good, we'll give that person flying the sign money. But what we really don't realize is in most of those cases, what we're doing is enabling their lifestyle. Yep. Uh, you know, we're enabling them. Um, you know, that dollar we give is going to be a dollar going to their drug dealer or to alcohol or whatever the case is a large percentage of the time. You know, um, I work for a living, work many hours. So why should someone else not have to work and expect my money? You know what right. I mean? It, right. It's one of those things that's um, the idea of rules and responsibility is a good thing. It's necessary for for society to thrive. So I don't know why, you know, we, we just want to remove the suffering from Everyone, you know, we yeah. we see somebody who we think is suffering, and we want to remove it. But sometimes the best thing that we can do is allow the consequences of sin to happen, so that they, you know, realize uh, that there's something better out there. You know, I think you know, I think people forget, you know, when, when they'll sit there and kind of ask, uh, and they'll chastise maybe a you and a me along the way for saying what you just said, and say, well, what would Jesus do? And and they forget that Jesus is alive. He's on the throne right now, and and because of that, you know what Jesus would do is exactly what's happening. He's he's allowing these things. He could solve it. He could say he could say today, all it, money will grow on trees today. You know, and there will be no need for any of this today. He could solve the problem, but he doesn't. And he doesn't. He didn't make the ground suddenly soft and everything in a temperate climate and, and everything like that. He doesn't suddenly, uh, t you know, make everybody's you know dr uh, appetite for drugs uh, suddenly be repulsive to them instantly. Right. Um, you know, although I have heard of people who you know who walk away from drugs like that, but most of the people I know, it was work. It was work, and it, and and in fact, those were the lessons. Those were the things that drove them to it. You know, I I, I uh, one of my friends, um, Monica, who I co-work with, she's like she's like, don't you dare take away 
the suffering that I've had and everything, I worked hard for that suffering. I worked hard for that. She's like, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I've got a felony on my record, and, and don't you dare take that away from me. Right. You know, that's, that's the thing I had to overcome, and, and I did. And, and it's the reminder of where I don't want to go back to, you know. Exactly. And there's a, a couple of thoughts on that. One, you know, biblically, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, biblically speaking, um, you know, it talks about in the Bible how you leave the corners of the fields when you harvest for those who are in need so that they can come and glean from the, the fields. But they still had to do the work of gleaning from the fields. There was still right. doesn't say harvest everything and give it to, and give some to the poor. Exactly. And secondly, you're absolutely right about you know when we go through those trials or we are tested, it builds strength in us. You know, I've experienced the same thing. We've had guys, for instance, that God just kind of took a heroin addiction away, just yeah. removed it. Um, and then we've had other ones that had to rely on God, you know, kind of minute by minute just to get through it. And those that went through that kind of work, that kind of testing, were way more successful because they appreciated their sobriety. You know, they understood where they came from, and they never wanted to go back to the place. Right. A couple of the guys that were kind of healed instantly after a couple of years, they didn't really... Um, you know, appreciate what God had done for them by removing that addiction. And eventually their patterns or lifestyle started working back to the place where they ended up, uh, you know, back in their addiction. And then the next time they came back, God didn't instantly heal it. It was the moment-by-moment moment thing. But I've even seen it among, uh, you know, especially like I, it, there's, there's like two people that you just don't want to sit around for very long. Uh, uh, somebody who just converted to Calvinism. Um, you know, they're, they're hard to be around for, for a minute and everything like that. You know, I've yeah. been that guy. I've been that guy. Um, but uh, and, and the other one is, is if you're a smoker, somebody, one of your friends, who just quit, you know, it's, it's like they suddenly, they are preaching at you all the time, you know, oh, you got to quit, you got to quit, you got to quit. It, look at me, I did, you know, and, and everything. And, and what I find is that, that they're, they're, especially if God delivers them in some, you know, in some like, hey, they just were able to put it down and, and let it go. What I find is that they're really insensitive, horribly insensitive to everybody else Around them, whom they know needs to, qu they know they need to quit. But but when you, they'll just sit there and say all these kind of really lame platitudes in a sense. You know, well, you just got to let go and let God. You know, you, you know, you, what would Jesus do? You know, would you know, and, and all this stuff, and and you're sitting there going, yeah, um, that's probably not the best thing to say. You know, in that moment. No, you love the zeal, uh, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, they're, uh, they have all of that towards, you know, what they're they were able to accomplish. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they don't really have the nuances of how to talk to somebody yet. You know, it's just kind of like beating them over the head with a hammer, you know, right. it's like, you know, I quit, so everybody should quit kind of thing. Yet, if they took a step back and looked at their life when somebody did that to them, it's like... Shut up! Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't. You're stressing hear. me out. All I want to do is start smoking. You uh, yeah, know, whatever. exactly. You know, Wait, or whatever. Two weeks ago, we were smoking together. Now you're doing all this. Why don't you just prove it in your own life? You yeah. Know? And it was a. I remember way back when I first became a Christian. One of my dear friends was a Jehovah Witness, and he would preach to me all the time. You know, a, a, about why I should go to his church and all of this and. So I started researching it and, and realized his life wasn't, uh, you know, didn't line up to what the Jehovah Witnesses believed. Like we would have poker night. And I was like, wait, you know, it says in your literature, you shouldn't gamble. And right. yet you invite me over for a poker night. So if you don't even live out what you're doing, why should I, you know, want What's to? What's exciting for me? To yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, hey, that's great. But, you know. Um, do something with your own sobriety for a while, and then we'll talk. You know, it's just, yeah, I get it. But well, it's a it's a tough thing, you know. <laughs> so so you know, for for a couple of guys who are probably who are probably you know uh, get accused of legalism and, and accused of of being you know overly harsh with uh, rules and being you know uh, again all that. 
I'm hoping that in this conversation that what they're not hearing is that, you know, I mean, I hope what they understand is that, is that we recognize that, man, it, it, you know, that, that God gives us grace and that his grace sometimes Sometimes it, it comes in, I mean, his grace comes to us always. I mean, we stand, we stand before the king of glory robed in his righteousness, not ours. So we're not, we're not walking in it ourselves. I mean, necessarily, I, I, I mean, we're learning to walk in yeah. it, okay? And that's part of the, the, the thing that the, part of the journey is, is learning to embrace that. But I'm not saved by my goodness by by my ability to do goodness. No, you're not. But, you know, also God's grace is wrapped up in uh, in an earthly sense in a, you know, a, a package called the Gospel Rescue Mission or called right. U-Turn for Christ. You know, God displays His grace through organizations like this. Right. You know, it's God's grace that there's people who who donate to our organizations that allow us to do what we do to give people an opportunity. That is God's grace, you Absolutely. know, because why should we care? If right. it wasn't for God's grace, we wouldn't, you know. That's exactly right. And so, you know, um, all of the detractors or whatever, just really, I would just invite them to come hang out with me or you yeah. for a period of time and see what really goes on, you know, because it's one of those things where... I don't have to be doing this. You don't have to be doing this. There's other things we could be doing, except it's our calling and like it's God's grace shining in and through us, you know. But by the grace of God, you know, I could be in the one poor decision away from maybe needing your services, right? And yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things that we understand and and I get it. But yeah, you know, when I think of God's grace and all that He's done in my life. And the fact that, you know, he loves those who are homeless right now enough to uh, have this place here in our community, the Gospel Rescue Mission, or U-Turn for Christ, it's just overwhelming, you know, with it. But people don't see it that way, you know. It's like um, all they see is the rules, or in our case, the holes, or whatever. But man, like I said earlier, we love people too much just to allow them to stay who they are, you know, yeah. or, or what they're doing, because it's obvious that their choices have led them to a, a light, to a place in their life that God wouldn't want them to be. God yeah, created them for so much more. It's it's certainly not working for them, especially at the point that they come into your doors or mine. Exactly. One last one last thing. So so let's imagine that there's somebody right now who needs a U-turn for Christ or a gospel rescue mission, and you've got 30 seconds to give them an elevator speech of why they should come to U-turn for Christ or the gospel rescue mission? Well, first and foremost, it's in the name, U-turn for Christ or the gospel rescue mission. You know, um, regardless of what you're going through, Jesus is the answer. And so our programs, what they do is they provide a safe place. They provide godly counsel. They provide a way out. You know, both of our organizations have been around long enough that there's a lot of wisdom in what we do. You know, it's just not Brian and I making rules up as we go and trying to figure this out. You know, our programs are built on the wisdom of generations before us. And, you know, um, there's so many changed lives, but really what it comes down to is are you willing to submit, um, you know, to a couple of rules for in exchange for the opportunity to live a, a more successful life? You know, uh, God tells us that He wants to give us life and He wants to give it to us more abundantly. You know, don't be satisfied with where you're at in life. You know, um, there's so much more that God has for you, and we'll be able to point you to that. That's fantastic. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, you got a website? We do. It's uturnforchristorgan.com, or you can call our ministry number at 541-295-5161. Awesome. Yeah. Well, brother, it is uh, it is always good to rub shoulders with you and uh, and know that there are more 
good, godly people who've got their feet to the plow, trying to uh, hands and feet to the plow, trying to make this this thing work and trying to help people who really are looking for help. So thank exactly. you for all the good stuff you do, and uh, maybe uh, we'll get you back here again to talk more at another time. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. I enjoy this. So. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, bro. All right. Next, we have something next. I'm not even sure what it is. Meals at the Mission. We have Meals at the Mission. That's right. So if you've ever wondered, what is it, what's it like? What's the food program like at the Gospel Rescue Mission? What are we doing? Uh, how do we feed people? Meals at the Mission. How many people do we feed? What's it look like? Check this out. One of the most common questions we're asked here at the Gospel Rescue Mission is, how does your food program work? Here at the Gospel Rescue Mission, one of our highest priorities is serving good quality food to our resident population. In fact, on average, we serve about 9,000 meals a month to the men, women, and children that stay here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Where does the food come from? Our food really comes from three primary sources. We get it from donations, from our mission food budget, and from our mission on-site garden. Let's talk about donations. On a daily basis, a team of residents visit various local businesses who have partnered with us. The residents pick up donated food items and deliver them to the main kitchen at the mission for processing and quality inspection. Another source of food is mission purchases. Nearly every resident who enters our program receives government SNAP benefits, commonly known as food stamps. We've talked with our residents, and the overwhelming consensus was that the homeless in our community are spending a majority of their food stamps at convenience stores. Without a place to live, without a microwave, something to cook with, without a refrigerator and cupboards to store things in, it's really difficult to prepare fresh cooked meals. With their SNAP benefits, they're buying cheap, convenient, pre-prepared, unhealthy food. In fact, as we did kind of an internal polling of some of our homeless residents, they would say as many as 90% of some of them are using their SNAP benefits to buy things as like energy drinks. This is not a healthy, sustainable way to live, and we want to offer a very healthy alternative. We ask our residents to use a portion of these benefits to contribute to their food costs during their stay. These funds, in addition to the mission budget, ensure that there's a wide variety of quality food and that all the necessary items are always there for our residents to have. A third source of food is our on-site mission garden. Every year, residents plant, water, and harvest hundreds of pounds of fresh produce that goes directly into the kitchen. The combination of these three sources of food ensure that we can provide an abundance of tasty, healthy, well-balanced meals all year long. Each day, our kitchen manager works with resident chefs to plan and cook meals, design recipes, and develop commercial kitchen skills. In this way, many of our residents not only gain valuable job skills, but then can go on to work in the food service industry here in Southern Oregon. Is the food safe? Safety is one of our top priorities when it comes to our residents in general, and this is especially true when it comes to food safety here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. In addition to keeping a meticulously clean kitchen and food prep area, each of our resident chefs are required to obtain a food handler's license. Like all commercial kitchens, our kitchen gets inspected by the health department here in Josephine County twice a year, every year, and we always get an A rating. How do mealtimes work? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner are served at the same time each day in our two dining halls. Since the men's kitchen is more robust, prior to serving the men, a catering cart with the same meal is sent over to the women's house. Because daily structure is such a major contributor to achieving independence, we believe that having mealtimes at the same time each day reinforces that structure that we're looking for in the residents' lives. Many of our residents are employed, and this might interfere with these meal times. To serve these residents, we provide a bagged lunch each day and a dinner plate to be saved for them to enjoy once they return from their work day. We do good food here. In fact, 
we pride ourselves in it. Proper nutrition is one of the keys to helping somebody make change happen in their lives. We see providing healthy meals to our residents as a biblical call. It's an expression of love. Our goal is to help people move from homelessness to independence. And that's what we do here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. That's what we do here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. And uh, so speaking of things that we do here at the Gospel Rescue Mission, it is time for the terrifying mission rule of the week. Yeah, threatening behavior. So uh, rule number eight is threatening behavior, either physical or verbal, will result in immediate termination of resident status for all parties involved, and the police will be called. Okay, so, you know, um, of all the terrible rules that we have, here's what it is. We do not tolerate when uh, a man or woman puts their hands on another man or woman physically, violently, or promises to do so. So we we go, you know, this is this is a place where we can't have that. Um, it needs to be safe. And um, so a lot of times we will, you know, we will just um, immediately kind of usher somebody out of the building, call the police, and, and they may say, well, I wasn't really going to kill them. I just threatened to kill them. And I go, okay, well, I don't want people to live in fear of a threat of being killed. So, um, so we just go, you know, until we get that rectified, uh, we can't move forward. And certainly physical violence is just one of those things that can't be tolerated here. If a person, if a person, even though they know that this is one of the rules and they still decide that, that whatever the tension is needs to be solved with some kind of physical violence, um, then we've just learned something about them that puts them kind of outside of our capabilities at that moment. Um, because I've got, you know, at any, at any point in time, maybe a hundred other residents that really uh, aren't struggling with that. They're working hard and uh, they're, they're not struggling and their stay needs to be safe. So we just uh, remove them from our program. And a lot of times, if it's actually come down to an actual physical violence, um, they won't be allowed to come back. Um, they just, their, their, uh, their skill sets and their ability to deal with tension, which tension happens everywhere. It happens on the workforce, it happens in the family, happens all over the place. If they can't deal with tension without, uh, without resulting in violence, resorting to violence, um, then there's somebody that I just feel like isn't safe, and that's really kind of the thing. I want a person's stay here to be a safe stay, and so uh, it's super important. Uh, anyways, that is the crazy mission rule of the week. Um, and as you can see, of all the things that we uh, get accused of, obviously the rules being harsh are one of them. We've gone through eight of them, and I've tried to be uh, explanatory as possible. We're almost halfway through our mission rules right now. We're about a third of our way through, actually, our mission rules right now. Um, some of them aren't even real rules. They're just more explanatory of, of what a person should expect during their stay. Uh, but many of them are rules, and they're really designed to make uh, kind of dormitory group living something that is safe and uh, and good for the people that stay here. So um, anyways, that's the rule of the week. Now on to Brian's books. So today we are we are this is our final week in a failure of nerve by Dr. Edwin. H. Friedman, and uh, it's a leadership in the age of a quick fix. This book has really influenced uh, my thinking in, in how I lead here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. It's really impacted a lot of the way I think about how we solve problems um, and how we might address the homeless issue in general. Um, Dr. Friedman was a counselor. Uh, he, did, he did relational counseling and, and leadership uh, counseling for 
a uh, number of years, and he uh, he was even uh, an effective leadership counselor for the Pentagon. Uh, he's a very brilliant man. Died in the '90s, um, and uh, but a, but an exceptional man, very quotable. I'm going to read just a, a couple of things. This is in relationship to um, people that have become um, who who have become toxic socially in in some way and and he's giving some traits and I'm going to read a couple of these traits and see if they don't sound familiar. He says they tend to be easily hurt. They're injustice collectors, slow healers who are given to victim attitudes. It is as if they had uh, no outer membrane to ensure their integrity. So again, he's thinking in terms of a health, uh, like a, a healthy cell in, within the body. Um, they tend to idolize their leaders until their unrealistic expectations fail, whereupon they quickly crucify their gods. Again, it's a it's a parasitic quality uh, of their bonding. So, um, and uh, their intent is often innocently provocative. They do not see themselves as bent on destruction. The pathology they promote is rather a byproduct of their doing what comes naturally, so they never see how they contribute to the condition they complain about. Boy, oh boy, um, he goes on to list 10. I'm not going to read all 10. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you know people that fit the, those kinds of descriptions in your life, and uh, and certainly the, or they are common uh, as we see them among the people that we serve. And our job is to bring restoration and try and bring healing to all of that. And we've found um, the thinking of Dr. Friedman uh, to be very helpful. So if you get a chance, if you haven't read uh, A Failure of Nerve, uh, Leadership, in the Age of Quick Fix uh, by Edwin Friedman. I would certainly recommend it. You can find a link to it in our show notes. And uh, and I just know it's going to be a blessing to you. I highly recommend it. Just go ahead and click the link, and it'll take you right where you can get it there on Amazon. All right. And so let's close out the show. Let's land the plane. What does the Bible say about homelessness? And Again, um, we're going to just look at a verse from the from the scriptures. This is from the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, where he says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." Well, first of all, this is this is a passage that is just huge for us in how we deal with broken people. We see them as broken, broken. they're broken pieces of, of workmanship. They are God's masterpiece, and, and we want to help restore them to that place. And, and they are created for what? They're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, that means that work is something that should be an outflow and good work should be an outflow of the Christian faith. It should be an outflow of human living and human existence. And this is what we're looking for. And that that there are things for us to do, good things for us to do, that God has already prepared and has waiting for us to do um, on the other side of our brokenness and maybe even in and through our brokenness. And so, so these are the things that we are intended to walk in, that we're intended to walk forward and move forward in to do good works so that what? So that Christ would be glorified in us, so that God would be glorified in us. So they'd go, wow, God's at work in there. That person, they're not just human waste or human refuse or human, you know, something indignant that should be, you know, treated like a pet on the streets. No, they are somebody created in the image of God. And look at them, man. When I see what they do and their restoration and the joy that they have, that's something that only God could do. I knew them before, but now I see them now. They once were blind, but now they see and we would be rejoicing together 
and what God does in their lives. Hey, you also are a good work, God's masterpiece. And so I hope that you're encouraged today. I hope that you think about that today as your life might be frustrating and moments in your life today might be frustrating, that you would know that God is here to bless them and bless you. If you are somebody who is who is uh, just a supporter of the kind of work we do, would you do me a favor? Would you click the subscribe button on YouTube or uh, like us and follow us on Facebook or wherever you're following this? Would you share this with somebody that is close? And, you know, I'm really curious. If there's a good ministry going on in your community, would you you know, write it down in the show notes. If there's something that we talked about today that was that really struck a nerve with you, would you would you actually make a comment? Comment for me and let me know um, because we're really curious. I want to know how we're impacting you, and and I really thank you for taking the time to watch this all the way to the very end. Um, boy, it means a lot to us, and uh, and you mean a lot to us. We want to talk about topics that are interesting to you, so I would invite you to just uh, chime in and uh, and let us consider those things that you would be interesting to you as well on the topic of homelessness. All things homelessness, um, whether leading to or from, ways out, what God's doing in this community here up and down the West Coast. Thank you again for watching another Mission Live. You can find us at missionlive.net. Share it with a friend. God bless you. Have a great day.